Give us any chance, we'll take it. Read us any rule, we'll break it. We're gonna make our dreams come true. Welcome to Netflix United Podcast, but eight seasons in a row. I'm Lisa Fernandes, and as you can see from my name tag, I'm Chris Wardna. Hello. Do you have your toilet paper carnations? This is Whatever Happened to Class of 56. It's from Season 7 of Learn Shirley, written by Paul A. Roth, directed by Phil Ferez. And I'm guessing that Chris has some facts about them coming up. I do, indeed, especially about uh, Phil Perez, because I think this might be the second of three episodes. He's got one yes. more next season, and we'll uh, cover it a little bit. Um, I actually left out, unfortunately, some information on the last time he popped up, so uh, oh. that, that uh, we have some additions to that. And we also have a, we have a bunch of actor notes today, so yeah. We have a lot of actors going on in this episode, and some returning faces mm-hmm. uh, used awkwardly, but returning faces nonetheless. This is what the episode's about. Laverne, Shirley, and Carmine are preparing to take a bus back to Milwaukee for their 10-year high school reunion. When they arrive, they're shocked by both the appearance of Terry Bonifuco and their friend's servile manners. It turns out that Lenny and Squiggy, who aren't in attendance at the reunion but have written letters home to their friends, have lied about Carmine, Laverne, and Shirley's L.A. prospects. They claim that the girls are dating Paul Newman and Marlon Brando, and Carmine is making big moves in Las Vegas as Engelbert Ragu. Um, mostly to get out of their own appearance at the reunion, claiming that they're negotiating contracts for Carmine. As the awards pile on, the girls find themselves stuck between telling the truth and allowing their friends to lavish attention on them under false pretenses. Will they pick the truth or a lie? What'd you think of this one? Well, just like what I expect if I had my own high school reunion. I was homeschooled during my high school years. Uh, yeah, that was a disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. The problem with this one is it ignores so much Milwaukee history. It does. It uses it very selectively, I find. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do I believe that Laverne was making out under the bleachers with a bunch of guys? Yes, I do. Uh, do I think that she basically used the, the hall, study hall as a tunnel of love? Maybe? She kind of you know, had at least some kind of compunction until like around, oh, season four. Mm-hmm. But we saw Terry Buttafuoco in season five. We saw that woman. We yeah. knew oh, what uh, she looked like. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Terry Buttafuoco. Uh, I'm trying to think because we bad saw her girls. for sure. Uh, bad bad girls. girls. You're right. You're five, right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah. Right. Because uh, I was thinking. Yep. I keep thinking of tag team wrestling because she had such a big, uh, such a yeah. memorable role in yeah. that, and that was season yeah. three, right? Yep. 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 Well, we definitely, definitely see her in bad girls. And she does not look like that, and it's only supposed to have been five years. Yep. So, and the girls haven't physically seen her in the flesh in roughly uh, three years, allegedly. Because we get a time skip, and all of a sudden there's a Cowboy Bills anniversary this season. Uh, yes, yeah, we're, cu- we're, we're coming up on that as well, yeah. It's, yep, yes, we you are. Know, we, we've talked about how Laverne Shirley has this problem with timeline, with continuity, and things yep. of that nature, and this is this is one of the more egregious episodes to me in that regard, Yeah, especially because yeah. they don't just use this as an opportunity to pick on Terry. They also, and, you know, incorrectly in my opinion, they also yes. do this as a fat-shaming joke. Yeah, you know, what is it? The the yeah. biggest thing that ever yeah. came out of the class of fifty six. Like, are you yeah. fudging kidding me? Are you you know, I'm trying I'm trying to be clean about we, this, but I want to yeah, yeah. punch whoever wrote that line. <laughs> the problem with this is that we literally just saw Terry. We know what she looks like. We know what she looks like looked like even what's supposed to be five years before this. And she was never chubby. 
We know how close Laverne and Terry were. So making up all this stuff where somehow they weren't close friends. Laverne literally calls Terry at one point in season six. Mm-hmm. I swear her name comes up and she's one of the people that they've called. And they're literally keeping in touch with their fellow classmates from high school. How did they have they not told them the stuff about them being in a drive-in movie? How have they not told them about the Bardwell's jobs they have? They would already all know this. Maybe total strangers wouldn't know this. Maybe Rosie wouldn't know this. Maybe Warren wouldn't know this. Maybe all their acquaintances and all the people Laverne made out with wouldn't know this. But people like Terry would definitely know what they were doing in California. Exactly. Doesn't make any sense logically. It makes everybody in Milwaukee look like an idiot bumpkin who doesn't know how to read a tabloid. And then it turns the whole reveal into a kid show pathetic oh no i'm so sorry you know pathetic whiny little just oh my god i hated it so much you judge us for not having kids and being single and poor right like half of them are by the way i'm glad to know however we'll get there that warren got married apparently is that a marriage because i'm assuming that's i assumed at first that was his wife but because she gets a name tag might be a sister. And nobody else seems to have brought any... Uh, yeah, I was thinking it might be a sister because nobody else seems to have brought a plus one. I... I like, we don't get... We don't even get to see Ogden. We don't even get to meet Ogden. We just I know. The proctologist. I know. Yeah, we so yeah, desperately yeah. wish we could meet Ogden. Yep, 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 yep. Because, yep, I mean... Yep, yep, yep. God, like, imagine if Ogden, we have him introduced, and it's one of those, he is totally frumpy, he's a dork, and yeah. Laverne wants to laugh about it. But he showers Rosie with so much affection and so much caring and kindness. And he's not overbearing. He's like giving her room. And it's like, wow, it's not about what it looks like. It's about what it really is, which is the whole point of the end of the episode anyway. And there's so many other options they could have gone with for for something this colossal of an idea that they've been building up to this entire season, mind you. And yeah, this is it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because this reunion is foreshadowed multiple times. It only hurts when I breathe. We hear about it. And this is what we get. And in a way, it's great to see Rosie. It is great to see Terry. But at least give your fans the dignity of realizing that they know how your continuity works. Exactly. It comes back to the whole idea that that this type of sitcom television is episode by episode, standing on its own, and it doesn't need continuity, and anyone who's paying attention doesn't matter. See, that's not even necessarily true, though, if you really think about it, because we get episode for episode, episode continuity, things like uh, Bunny's mom, with things like, uh, even with Terry in Milwaukee, she is the same person uh, from Tag Team Wrestling to uh, Bad Girls, to the moments where she's mentioned in uh, things like One Heck of a Note. Mm -hmm. Everything referring to her and connected to her all makes sense. We do get episode-to-episode continuity and episode-to-episode storylines that build and make sense, like even Frank and Edna's marriage. Mm -hmm. The way it builds from a date in season two all the way up to... uh, the marriage in season five and their married life in season six and we're just taking place off screen this season in season seven. We do have continuity. We have perfect examples of continuity. This is just the biggest wormhole episode of failed discontinuity that the show has. And I'm talking about a show 
that manages to wormhole full seasons from episode to episode. Oh, yeah. I I found an awesome comment that my mother told me when we were watching this episode is I, w- I said, you can see where this is going, right? And her response was, it's all a dream, isn't it? Huh. And like that you know, would work so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would actually be sensible and work. Not to mention, we don't get that. I love the idea that these Milwaukee, you know, Milwaukee characters, regardless of whether they think they're special or not, I would love that most of them would just be like, yeah, sure, but it's Laverne and Shirley. It's them. You know, either A, because it's like, oh, yeah, of course they were going to go off to be famous. That doesn't mean they're anything special. Or B, just because you're you're big and famous now don't mean we're not going to we're going to treat you any different. Yeah, 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 yeah. They can even do that. They can even be impressed by the girls' slightly more glamorous jobs. The girls could have come in and been kind of downtrodden and acted like, oh, God, like, you know, we're the biggest losers in the planet. And all of a sudden find that their friends are encouraging and impressed because, hey, they made it all the way across the country. Mm-hmm. Hey, they have uh, jobs and they're living on their own. and They're supporting themselves. You know, they've actually met more movie stars. They've, um, you know. They've had real genuine adventures at this point. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's far beyond the girls, you know, meeting Fabian mm-hmm. at this point. There's all kinds of stuff that actually did happen to them that they could legitimately have known about and been impressed by. And instead, you're stuck here with them like, they even act as if Shirley wasn't arranging all those reunions for them. Every single year. Exactly. Which is Milwaukee. which is never mentioned in this, which is is yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Like, you know, it, yeah. like uh, the idea of if they're the last ones to show up, like, you know, them saying to Shirley, it's like we thought you weren't going to make it to the first reunion, you know, to the first actual yeah. reunion, like some qualifier yeah. remark or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 they just there's so much continuity that could be mined here and so much history that could be mined here that doesn't end up getting used. and. I think that a lot of people, for some reason, are very fond of this episode. A lot of fans of the show are very fond of this episode. And the reason why, I think, is because it's a return to Milwaukee. We're back in Milwaukee. We see familiar Milwaukee characters. Without realizing what does to those Milwaukee characters, what does to the continuity of the Milwaukee episodes, and what does the continuity of even the currently airing, currently airing that, mm-hmm. currently you know, watched, being watched, um california episodes it's just a mess it's a mess it's very messy uh there are funny moments here sure but there's nothing that you know stands out or brings it home to me the fact that the boys are in this episode but are heavily referred to and are the um spanners in the the work so to speak that's also another like point against us the episode Mm -hmm. needs them it really needs them it does because it'd be the idea of the boys already being there and spreading all these rumors would be bet would also make the reveal a lot better, and I and I hate that the whole like morality of the ep- at the end is you know it's like well all of you would have done the same thing, and it's like no there's at least a few of those people in that group that wouldn't have done it. I actually can't see Warren, Mister Eraserhead, doing that. You know, like everyone thought you were an astronaut. It's like it, he he's I think self aware enough that he'd think to himself, I mean that's nice, but I wouldn't I wouldn't you know just go with the lie. It's ridiculous. I mean, clearly he wants to be an action hero. Yeah. He doesn't want to be an astronaut. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I love that Carmine, however, is absolutely reveling in this <laughs> whole thing. Well, he gets, he's got... Carmine loves well, it. But yeah, but Lynn Marie Stewart is, you know, hanging on his every word and yeah. his every appendage. Yeah. Hi, Lynn Marie Stewart. 
I love Marie Stewart once again. She's really good in this. She's good in this episode, and I love it whenever the show uses her. Yep. Uh, it's the six of seven Hello, appearances. Hello, Miss Yvonne. Yeah, Miss Yvonne, yes. This is the six of seven appearances of the great Lynn throughout the series, actually. And uh, yes. Yes. I love that she pretty much plays a completely different character every single time. And them putting her yeah. in here for a Milwaukee set episode was really fitting. But yeah, actually, to be honest, it's one of my favorite of the Lynn Marie Stewart appearances to be, you know, yes. all things considered. It's much as weak as this episode is. Yeah. She kind of lifts it up a little bit because even yeah. after finding out they're yeah. all a bunch of bums, you know, just struggling to make it yeah. in California. She pretty much still wants to bone Carmine, which, you know, yeah. that's yeah. that's fair. Many of her characters do want to bone Carmine. That is a recurring theme. Yeah. Throughout her characters' appearances. Uh, as we all know, she's Cindy Williams' best friend. She's probably still Cindy Williams' best friend. And my favorite appearance of hers in the show is definitely Sister Sarah the Salvation. She just eats every inch of that part, and mm-hmm. it's so great. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be Sister Sarah for me. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so our beginning here, let's go back to the beginning, which is a beautiful place to start, apparently. Shirley's grand speech as she's playing for the reunion, where she blurts out that they're full of bus tickets. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to do but wave at the cows while... Shirley jiggles on the bus. Well, yeah, but, not, but no, nothing on Yeah, jiggles. nothing on you jiggles, Cheryl. And the glowering <laughs> look from Cheryl in response yeah. to that is great. Hey, they're boobs. We see the boobs. The boobs exist. Be a little more generous, Laverne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, we learned that Laverne was making out with guys in the uh, in the study hall, under bleachers, everywhere, mm-hmm. on top of on top of Shirley, if possible, as we know is canonical. Uh, I love the impression Laverne gives here that she's trying to be an adult, but she will still kill Rosie if she needs to. Yeah, if she looks at me cross-eyed again, I'll swing her by her red hair and papa. Yeah, papa. Fight, fight, fight is my note. As <laughs> is as it should be. As absolutely is as it should be. The um, the I will say also, you know, like this is this was a sign to me that there was something off about this episode from the go. Is how much the barbs between these two are really sharp. They're very yeah. the cutting remarks at one another yeah. already kind of spelled doom for me because I noticed when this show has to go for mean humor, it's yeah. lazy yeah. bullshit. Per Michael, apparently, uh, Penny would usually be the one to uh, reel back the humor if I got too mean. In this episode, and I think in Helmet Weekend, the girls are really a little bit too mean with each other. Mm-hmm. It's also a little bit in Ski Show. Mm-hmm. A little oh bit. yeah. Oh, it's actually quite but, a bit in Ski uh, Show. Yeah, we're going to yeah. get to that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it kind of feels like Married with Children style, I hate you, but I love you, put downs, which isn't the girls. It may be, it may have been what Penny and Cindy were going through behind the scenes at that time, thankfully. you know, As we know, they had rough spots, they had good spots, they got over it. But that might, they might have been fighting at that point. There were all these rumors that during season seven, the reason why we get so many episodes that are focused on the guys, and why we get so many episodes that are, just one of them so doing something solo is because they were fighting backstage and they couldn't stand to be around each other during that season. I mean, That's would, the room. It would make sense, but it, at the same time, it also could just be they were busy. They were moving yeah. on to other stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Cheryl, exactly. had, Cheryl had to be, you know, uh, Cindy, excuse me. Cindy had to go be off yes, uh, in the movie. The creature wasn't nice. Yeah. A classic, a bonafide classic. <laughs> at this point, Cindy was also planning her wedding to Bill Hudson. Uh, we'll get to Bill Hudson next season. Oh, we're going to get to Bill Hudson next season. And we're going to get to the havocy wrecked on the show per Penny. Mm. And per Cindy eventually herself said this. And Gary. And several writers that I've talked to. We'll get to this. 
and but at that at that time, um, they were engaged, and he was in the middle of uh, finalizing his divorce from Goldie Hawn. And as soon as he did that, the two of them got married. Mm. But that's what was happening in her life. Penny was uh, processing her divorce from Rob Reiner, which had happened just like a year before mm-hmm. at this point. So there was a lot going on. She was looking to get into directing movies, moving to New York. So a lot was going on. So it could be, it could have been anything. It could have just been the writers looking for different things to write. Different directions to go in. They also, yeah. I think, they're trying to explain this whole idea. There's always someone lower than us because that—that's the thing that really pops yeah. out from this scene. And I, yeah, I know I, I made the comment to you about it's very Travis Bickle. And yeah. for for those that don't know, on the commentary track, Paul Schrader describes that the reason Travis Bickle has racist overtones in his behavior and his perspective is because of the fact that as long as there's someone lower than him, he is able to feel confident and secure. It's a sign of his insecurity. And that is the sense I get from this is not that they're racist, but the idea is that there always has to be someone lower on the totem pole. Yeah, it's 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 going by a hierarchical system, which is very I I get what they're trying to do, but they don't make it they don't even make it feel like, oh, well, everybody's equal. Everybody has their own problems at the end. It's more about like, well, we could just resolve it by hating on somebody else instead, which is I yeah. yeah, I don't like. And then they decide this is where they decide to fat shame Terry Buttafuoco. Yeah. And, and 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 by the way, yeah. my note about Terry Buttafuoco is yeah. that she is a beastly wonder yeah. that deserves yes, respect yes. and love. Also, by anyone's judgment, she was never fat. It not only is mean and cruel and fat shaming, we get mean, cruel, fat shaming stuff coming up with when Warren re-enters the picture. Mm-hmm. But it's nonsensical. We remember what she looks like. It drives me crazy that they're trying to bend history like we're all dumb. And we're not dumb. And they ha- usually have more respect for the audience than this. People will argue with me on that topic, but I believe that they have more respect for the audience than this. Agreed. I will firmly state that. But yeah, God. That justification, by the way, was Gary's reasoning for why he didn't want uh, the girls to seriously date Lenny and Squiggy, that the boys had to be lower on the totem pole in them. Oh yeah, fuck that shit. Fuck that shit. And also the text proves he lied, and we do get canon uh, in that's entertainment. So like, <laughs> it's also the universe so, canon, but it's some form of yeah. canon. Oh yeah, it counts. It counts. <laughs> it counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. In some version of continuity, Carmine, Shirley, and Laverne and Lenny are together. Of course, Squiggy's dead, but you know he can't have everything. Tragically. Uh, but but, yeah. but anyway, so then we get the great yeah. Ragdini uh, coming in, hmm, <laughs> accepting this award. Hmm. Yeah, pretending he is Karnak. Karnak to Carmine. Mm-hmm. I love that Boo Boo Kitty is coming. Of course. And we don't get to see him at the reunion, which sucks. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised Shirley's bothered by Rosie. Shirley has never said out loud that she is bothered by anything Rosie has done. She, we know that she is bothered sometimes, but not to this degree. So that I found intriguing. And my notes on the Terry stuff is big to slap and fight the hell in all caps. <laughs> uh, Carmine gets a big applause. I know. Uh, well, a happy days level reaction. Yep. Uh, sorry. Uh, yes, yep. he does. And actually, the next episode we have one for another actor that we'll we'll get to. Yes, we do. Uh, yes, we do. But yeah, um, I did find it cute that Carmine wanted to pretend that they were living together so that he can both get the award. It's like, I don't want people to think I'm yeah. living by myself. And it's yeah. again, yeah, I yeah, say, yeah. I, I, there is something really endearing about struggling average guy Carmine rather than I'm bigger and better than everybody else, Carmine. He has become so lovable in the California years. It is driving me crazy. I know. I know. They're doing a lot of great stuff with Carmine, especially in season seven. 
And his relationship with Shirley is adorable, and she really should just uh, pull the trigger on that. Two of them should move in together, and it would still be about the girls being neighbors. They still been in each other's apartment all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, or, you know, they should have just gone for that. Well, and that's the thing. If Sonny still lived there, I mean, that would be an awesome plot is that they have to do a remodeling job to make, merge their apartments so that then they get more oh, room goodness. in a second uh, a second bedroom. Can you imagine all the oh, chaos God. and shenanigans they can get up to there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People falling off of balconies and everything. Exactly. I can see it. I can see it. Uh, all of a sudden, the boys didn't go to their own high school graduation, which we know is. I can believe we can believe no, exce- we can believe except for the valedictorian remark. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Cindy's on the record that Squiggy was a class valedictorian. Which then, <laughs> okay, which then to go on to that because people are going to say that doesn't prove anything. Um, you made out with him at the graduation. The valedictorian thought the applause was all for him. That's yep. coming up in like another scene. Yep, 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 yep. And I am so angry that we do not have a squiggy valedictorian speech. The boys need to be in this episode. There's no reason for the boys not to be in this episode. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they aren't in the episode weakens the narrative so hardcore. It because it you know it turns out that they're the ones making mischief, but they're making mischief off screen, so they don't even get a competence. It's just annoying. Yeah. So there's no. There's no catharsis or conclusion you know, to the conclusion here. Yeah, no payoff. Nothing. Yep. Nothing. But yeah, I'm just imagining a squiggy valedictorian speech. Esteemed motherfuckers <laughs> in the audience. <laughs> and they turn his mic off immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or esteemed mothers and fuckers. We gather here today to honor a, the brightest star in this class is me, Squigmon. <laughs> and now, we, as you all of you morons try to look up to me, you should all remember to try to follow in my example. Thank you. Lenny's just, just applauding. Lenny's just applauding. Yeah, it's like, oh, just, he's so smart. I love him so much. I'm so proud. But look at the camera. Oh, and that, that two of them are probably the only two people who were there for each other, unless Lenny's family showed up, Lenny's family mother showed up. But I can see the two of them being the only two people there at graduation for each other. So, yep. but yeah, that annoys me. <laughs> that they, there's a solid continuity on this, and it's annoying. Anyway, so now we have B-roll. We have the Milwaukee Road sign yes. and a bus station, which is probably yes. in California. The the architecture behind it looks very California. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You can tell that they used some cross. B-roll from um, Happy Days. If you really watch certain episodes of Lauren Shirley, because certain shots will absolutely replicate between episodes, between episodes when it comes to stock footage, between shows. It's a case of in this, you know, do I care enough to look up whether this was indeed a Happy Days shot? No, no, I don't. I do, and it was not. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, so then they yeah. go into a place that smells like a gym. Yeah, because it is a gym, and everybody is there. Rosie is looking. Out of the park, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I have missed you, Carol. Oh, Carol. Yeah. So that's funny. Like, I have all these pa- these uh, uh, paragraphs of notes before Rosie shows up. But yeah. yes, Rosie is an absolute freaking yep, treasure in this whole sequence. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, now let's get to your paragraphs here. Um, uh, Carmine had to have been popular. Yeah. He was on the football team. Like... Yep. Like he had to be popular to some degree, where he was the big man on campus. I could see the girls not being as popular except for Laverne, who was popular with the boy. Not to mention, they would have heated up when they heard Carmine's name because the dude was singing at the Pizza Bowl for years. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They know these people. They act like they never saw anybody from high school 
after they graduated and we know that's not true because they were in the same neighborhood yeah for years oh, totally and years and the reunions so it's like it's ridiculous it's ridiculous it's just treat your audience with respect i'll say it again and our hearts are full of you <laughs> uh i mean our hearts are full of seeing you and so full, full. it's so great <laughs> The way Cindy handles that is really, really amusing. It's a really good job. Also, um, is anyone else disgusted by the special batch of milk and Pepsi just for Laverne in the punch bowl? Because that would absolutely curdle the milk by this point. Yeah. Well, unless they keep it on ice, they could keep it on ice. If they keep it properly chilled, it probably won't do anything. But if they're just leaving it out there, yeah, it's going to go bad really quickly. Just yeah. nauseate everybody in the room. But yeah, the uh, my note of fuck off fat shaming at the line. The Terry oh, we God. know looks like a plow horse with lipstick. Judy. Like, OK, Judy looks gorgeous. So fuck you, yes, show. Fuck you in the ear. Like it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Nothing they say about this character makes sense. It's as if we're meeting her for the first time. We saw her. We know who she is. Yep. Stop driving us nuts. But at least she can still pick up Laverne. She doesn't have the pain reflex, which is a cute detail. And she forces them to kiss when she gives them the big squish. Yep, yep, yep. One of the many kisses the girls commit upon celluloid. Yep. Although th th this one was <laughs> this one was not necessarily intentional. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't intentional. But go on, Terry. Uh, Terry is believably tough and golumphing, but I would never have called her a plow horse. I would call her, I would call her tough, yeah, but Jesus. I don't think I would call anyone a plow horse, even somebody who looks yeah. like a plow horse. In fact, even a plow horse themselves, I wouldn't call them a plow horse as a pejorative. <laughs> exactly, 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 exactly. And then, of course, Laverne's making out with guys under the bleachers. Yep. Poor Frank uh, at graduation. The table for guys that made out with Laverne, Laverne, they even started a club. I just, yeah. the only payoff to that bit is, you know, Laverne, somewhere in you lies a cheap novel. Yeah. That is a great line, and that is the only good line and worthy line that comes out of this entire situation. Because man, Jesus, yeah, it's like let's let's pre let's press the Laverne likes to have sex button, and then press it super hard again, 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 more. Look, it's it's like this know. is this is one of those things. Okay, if I may be a gamer nerd for a moment, this is the reminder that a quick time event is meant to be pushed once. Not that is a different type of quick time event, and it is also a lesser type of quick time event. Yes, Resident Evil 4, I am looking at you and God of War. Yeah, and many other shoes. That's dashing. Dashing is an entirely different thing. But yeah, it's the 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 whole thing of just just hit once, you know. Don't if you if you belabor the joke, then no one's gonna find it interesting. Anyway, um but anyways, but now here's Rosie. It's been more than one year. Have yeah. I gotten one letter, one postcard, one phone call? Nothing. Nothing. Avern, how could you hurt me this way? <laughs> I love that she approaches her like a mob boss who's annoyed that her tributes have not been paid. It, it's fantastic. Which, you know, that makes yes. me wonder. D did Ogden get involved with the mob at some point? The Milwaukee Possibly. mobsters? Possibly. Possibly at this point. At this point, yeah. I can see him doing that. Just sticking his hand up people's butts and uh, doing that for favors. For uh, special mobster favors. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, uh, you want to make sure that colonoscopy goes well? You pay me a little scratch. Just a little scratch. Just a little. Just a little bit. You know, my uh, my wife, Rosie, my she wants a little. 
She just wants to have a nice new fur coat. You know what I'm saying? Um, rather fittingly, <laughs> by the way, um, we'll get into actor notes and such, but Carolina White playing Rosie Greenbaum yeah. here. This mm-hmm. is interesting that this appearance on Laverne and Shirley is just before she jumps into a handful of uh, 80s grindhouse pictures, uh, inclu- <laughs> including two that have um, Linda Blair, actually. Yes. She's in both uh, Chained Heat and Savage Streets. Yes, she is. Badass. Queen, queen, <laughs> queen, queen. I was just thinking about Savage Streets, ironically enough. Yeah, I, I, God, I, need, I need to, I need to watch that movie finally. I've, I've seen parts of it. On, you haven't? Yeah, but I haven't. Yes. Seen, yeah, I know, I know. No, there's a lot of Linda Blair schlock that I have not uh, caught up on. I think the sl- schlockiest Linda Blair movie I've watched is Exorcist Two: Heretic. Have you seen? Uh, I Hell House, right? Hell House is what I'm thinking about. I have not seen Hell House. And also, I forgot, I did see Chained Heat. I've seen Chained Heat. Actually, I've seen a print of Chained Heat. That movie's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, uh, the super fitting that Rosie is in this sort of mob boss, you know, it's like, why haven't you given me tribute? But at the same time, I love that she's also falling over herself. I'm going to burn these clothes to yeah. Fazio. This is it's a good call. You did. You, you, you're totally right. It doesn't look good on me at all. It's it's great. <laughs> I know. I know. She's so great. She is so great. She's living every inch of this. This is as close that Ro- as close to begging as Rosie will ever get. Uh, she did get a little teeny teeny bit close when she was well, scrubbing the bathroom with her toothbrush. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is as close to begging as she'll ever get. And it's fun. Because Rosie's idea of begging is almost but not quite servile. It, it is. Not quite entirely. And there. moving on, then we have uh, Shirley seeing, oh, my goodness, yeah. is Timothy O'Brien. We used to touch pinkies in church. And she leads herself by the pinky towards him. <laughs> Which is sweet. It's very sweet. And then this whole turns, turns out to be dirty. Yeah. Timothy <laughs> just sucked the pinky. My mother w- yeah. exclaimed, had to exclaim, no. Yeah. <laughs> so gross. Uh, Your mother is correct. That is disgusting. Um, <laughs> oh, God. The bit about nuns. So then we have Carmine show up with Lynn Marie Stewart, and uh, I got a lock of his hair. I hope that's all you got. And uh, and uh, that's when Laverne pulls out the hairspray, and I I love that she's saying just spray it in her face, but it's also like Laverne, don't don't make Shirley set somebody on fire. That's impolite. At least not at the reunion. Do it elsewhere where there's no no access to a fire extinguisher. Oh yeah, now avoid all open flames when you're at a reunion, especially like in the 60s. There's so much hairspray going on. There should be at this point. Now, people are starting to relax and go more natural since the mid-60s verging onto the late 60s. Such as Todd. The, yeah. See also Todd, the hippie. Peace, Peace man. Peace, man. Peace, man. <laughs> Don't trust anybody over 30. And then Carmine's uh, d- d- thing of, you know, I was just giving her, you know, she just uh, gave me a ride and, uh, Shirley's remark of unless it was a ride straight to the convent, don't bother with the explanation. Bam, bam, bam. I'm sure she gave him a ride. Wink, wink. Yeah. Wink, 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 wink. This feels like it's very much test driving Mary with Children style humor. Yeah. Roughly about four years before the show debuted. I think it's debuted in 86. I think think so, yeah. So, so, so we're about four years before it debuts because we're I think we're in eighty. We should be in eighty two. Uh, we are in eighty two. Uh, first episode air date of yes. Married with Children was nineteen eighty seven, but they probably shot it. I would assume in okay. um, very late eighty six. Okay, so I'm not too far off. I'm not too far off. But it feels like this is very much a test drive of that kind of humor between the put downs and the insults here and the tone. Mm-hmm. And so 
and the riding jokes and everything. It feels very much like we're trying to edge into that kind of mm-hmm. uh, humor, which will soon take over the airwaves to come. Like, so we find out the boys' law about the boys' law here, which is mildly clever. You know, it's a mildly clever way to get out of having to hang out with these people. I love Engelbert Ragu. It's a great name. It's a very squiggy and lunny kind of name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, the fact that everybody buys this. Either shows that they don't read, like I said, they don't read tabloids in Milwaukee all of a sudden. Which doesn't make sense because Rosie then mentions the Marlon Brando story. Yeah. Yeah. They should know who Brando and Newman are dating at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's all over everywhere because Brando could not keep his personal life out of the papers to save his life. Mm -hmm. He had a huge custody battle probably going going on around this time. Uh, he was constantly bed hopping. He was Brando. That's what he did, allegedly. Mm-hmm. He had many children. Yeah, my my whole thing is it's cringe comedy, it's bad sitcom, it's a waste of talent, a waste of potential, and embarrassing bullshit. Like, like there's a way to do good sitcom. We've seen Laverne and Shirley do great sitcom. We have some coming and up in another is... couple of episodes, even. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That that said, how happy are we that we see uh, Carmine um, getting slapped by both the girls one after the other? <laughs> we get to see him get assaulted that way in rocky ragu that happens that's true it's very recent yeah but 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 Uh, but it's it's in the same moment i should say in the same shot basically smack smack i I do love that he it's like please jump into that web with me Uh, you know that that i thought was very cute oh it's funny it is funny it's funny and he he just doesn't care yeah he just wants the attention at this point he'll take the attention in this yes um, like, the way, the attention so after this is girls. now the the girls are about to you know we jump to a quick shot of the girls you know and and surely trying to say you know we can't do this um yeah you know, what about being proud of who we are is that a syndication yeah. cut or do you think this is actually just a cut in the shooting as in they they had a winner and they had to cut it for time 90 percent sure this is probably a uh, syndication issue okay if it's awkward is a syndication issue typically that's yeah. what I, well i gotta say okay <sighs> But yeah, threatening. It feels awkward. And then, of course, Laverne goes into threatening Cheryl's face, which just again, it's like, wow, this episode's mean. Yeah, everybody hates everybody in this episode. Yeah, I don't. You know what? I don't like this episode very much, as as we make it clear. (laughs) I'm sorry I'm just keep harping on this crap, but it's like I we've already been talking about this about as long as I thought we were going to. And we're only like halfway through the fucking episode. Oh, we're, we're, we're almost there, audience. We'll get there. So we then, then enter Eraserhead, yep. who blows on Shirley's ear. How do I wipe this from my brain, this whole thing? I know. My note on this part of the plot is everyone has to be so dumb to make this work. Yeah. Yeah, they win all the awards, and there's the guilt, and the speeches, and the realization they can't keep up the ruse, and goes down poorly, and it'll be deserved, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> do you live on the beach? No, we live in an apartment. Oh, that's a good answer. It's a very good answer. Yeah, very good answer. Uh and then that, and then Limerick Stewart's character is so horny for Carmine. Yeah, do you sleep in the nude? I wasn't asking you, I was asking Carmine. Yeah. <laughs> we find out Carmine sleeps in the nude in this episode. Let that fill your fantasies, girls and fellas and folks. All the individual, <laughs> all, all the particular individuals folks. that think that Eddie Mecca can get it on. Yes. And what's Marlon Brando really like? I do like the response to that. He's sort of a wild one who likes to hang yeah. out with the guys and dolls down on the waterfront. I like Ba-dum, that very boom, much. Boom. And Ba-dum, Warren boom, boom. being stupid enough to ask the same question that was just asked and answered. It's just, oh my God, I hate this so much. Uh-huh. And the story, they get their stories confused and get it, and they can't get their story straight. And what was the last picture they did? And when can we see that picture? You don't even know what kind of picture it is. And then Rose, I do like that Rosie figures it out. Yeah. 
Rosie got the only brain cell in the room, pretty much. And I do enjoy that the Tahiti story thing. I wonder, it's, I don't think it, it can't be referencing uh, Burn, which was the film Brando did for uh, Gilo Pontecorvo. But I uh-huh. would love if it was because uh, the reason I say it can't, by the way, is because it's off by a few years. It would be because I think they yeah. shot that two years later. That was actually like a yeah. that, that was apparently pretty rough because I guess it was hard to shoot in Colombia. And so Brando complained until they went and shot the rest of the film in Mexico. Oh, but uh, anyway, it comes out. It's embarrassing. It's lame. It's boring. And it's boring. I mean, that's the thing. This whole reveal, all of this. I just I don't want to watch this episode <laughs> ever again. Just yeah. my, my notes only goes, don't make me watch it. Don't make me watch it. Turn it off. Turn, turn it, off. it off. Turn it off. I, I, know, I made a note. Terry just retroactively degraduated them. There are some hijinks. <laughs> yep. At least we get a reference, a callback to Wonga Wonga. Yeah. Like, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I, nobody saw that movie. Like, seriously, they didn't call anybody home and talk about this movie. Seriously. I loved um, former classmates and ex-lovers. Like, Jesus. You probably went all the way with any of these people, Laverne. We were writing that history too. And I love the notion that um, Laverne is, was supposed to be canonically in touch with these people. I know that she's in touch with several classmates and shot some employees, full of shots and employees. Mm-hmm. So it makes absolutely no sense. None of this makes sense. It drives me crazy. And I hate this episode. Except for the one punchline. Yeah. Who, sque- who squealed when I cheated on the typing final? Yeah, that one was funny. That was that's the only funny thing that turns out to be Shirley, of course, is Shirley. And the two of them fight and then they everybody bets on the fights, which is funny. Uh, and we end with unfortunate transphobia against one of the gym teachers. Oh, God, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't mark yeah. it in my notes. Yuck. Yeah. Uh. yeah. I love that Laverne's idea with these people is to heal the group dynamic. We need to attack others like i said somebody needs to be on the bottom of the totem pole someone needs to be lower than you no matter how low you are no matter how meaningless you are there must be someone worse than you that will then make you feel superior fuck this episode i'm done it's a very mean episode it's a very it's a weirdly mean episode in the show's canon it's very it's very much about attacking outsiders and then Accepting outsiders, Ben, only accepting outsiders if you're going to attack other outsiders. But Lord, yeah, there was, yeah, all of a sudden out of nowhere, transphobia for a line. And then Carmine unites the entire class and has everybody bet on the girls' fight. And that's how it ends. And I'm pretty sure there's a tag scene that got cut out. Uh, that, I don't know if it get better or worse. Yeah, that's all my notes on this one. So... We'll go for the uh, in front of the camera, behind the camera notes, because uh, one of the things that's interesting is this is a Paula A. Roth episode. Now, Paula has written some amazing stuff. This is actually the last episode she's credited for and the second for the California years. This is the finale of what was until this point a fantastic run with 13 to her credit. Bridal Shower, Call Me a Taxi, Meet Fabian, Debutante yeah. Ball, The Wedding, Out, Out, Damn Plout. And even after this, she went on to another half dozen episodes of Happy Days, various segments of Love Boat, and 17 episodes of Perfect Strangers, which she also worked as a producer. And she also would wow. work as a writer on Hanging with Mr. Cooper in the early 90s. Nice. My theory is this is a script that's credited to Paula, similar to the Cindy Beagle, Lisa Kite uh, episode, uh, I Do, I Do, and was heavily rewritten by others in the room. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's my guess, too, that you had a scenario, some lines made it, some lines didn't. This is common in the world of television anyway. But here, it's very much got a mean uh, sense of humor and very much a mean outlook. 
that kind of characterizes some of what happens in season eight. And with the season eight scripts I've read that are absolutely mean in this way and actually got improved to make them softer. We'll get there eventually. But here, there's nothing of Paula's uh, mean or tone from earlier episodes. Of course, we don't even know if that's purely how she would write because, you know, for all we know, those episodes were also rewritten. Right. It's, but, it's, you know. it's hard to know. But um, yeah. director Phil Perez, uh, this is his second of three episodes. He has one more to go next season, as mentioned. Um, he was actually, it turns out, the new technical coordinator. He took over after Ray DeValley yeah. Jr. Um, t- uh, had uh, retired from that position in, uh, around season four. And he had just come off of working on Happy Days. Now, after after this show wraps up in the next season, he goes back to Happy Days until the end of its run and then jumps onto shows like Perfect Strangers, naturally, uh, Valerie, Friends, and lastly, as the technical coordinator for the pilot episode of The Drew Carey Show. So that's our Phil Perez notes for today. Nice. So now we get to the actor notes. So obviously we have Judy Askins returning as Terry Buttafuoco, an excellent writer and a tall woman. A giant woman. This is her third appearance on Cameron Laverne and Shirley, and also her last, which bums me out furthermore because I want more Terry Buttafuoco. She is great. She has chemistry. She the camera loves her. Wonderful speaking voice. Uh, but she did end up staying with the writing staff until the end of the show at the end of season eight. As an actor, she would actually continue having cameos in Marshall First stuff, such as Mork and Mindy as the Matron and Happy Days. She would also star in uh, Star of the Family. It takes two. Simon and Summon. Two episodes of Days of Our Lives and Step by Step. Uh, we'll cover her work as a writer as we kind of get back to her over the next couple things. Um, Lynn Marie Stewart, we covered quite a bit. She already was at this point a prolific comedic and character actor in TV and films, having already shown up in American Graffiti, the MASH TV series, and Husbands, Wives, and Lovers. She has a huge career ahead of her, though, as well as uh, obviously being Miss Yvonne and the old Pee Wee Herman show. She also was more recently even in Pee Wee's Big Holiday, Two Broke Girls, and has played Charlie's mom, Bonnie, in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, she has. She's awesome. I think her latest appearance was either in the episode where uh, Charlie's mom and Mac's mom move in together, or her latest ep- appearance was in the episode where they tried to uh, beat the Wade Boggs record of uh, drinking beer on a plane, only it's an all-woman show. And somehow Bonnie ends up in a uh, at a baseball field in California. Oh, my God. Alone. <laughs> oh, that's a trip. Ugh. But I, yeah, Lynn's great. This is her six of seven appearances. She'll show up once yeah. more again. We mentioned that, you know, yeah, she was close to to, to uh, Cindy and uh, would actually go on to voice Shirley Feeney in the animated series of Laverne and Shirley's uh, second season. So as in the second season of Laverne and Shirley animated show, it gets very confusing when it gets to that point. Yes. How to freaking describe yes. that. Yeah. Oh, I can explain. I can explain it. Uh, the reason why um, Cindy uh, Cindy voiced her own character and Penny voiced her own character on the animated show. The two of them did that for the first season. But then what happened was uh, when Cindy sued Paramount and Cindy left the show, that also affected the animated show in the second season. Um, so Lindsay Stewart took over for it. Gotcha. Yeah. That's what happened. Yep. Hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. And so then, uh, yeah, so then we have... Um, Carolina White as Rosa Greenbaum. Yeah. As mentioned before, this is just before she got into a handful of 80s grindhouse pictures. Now, more recently, uh, she has been staying pretty active. I mean, first of all, we've talked about how, you know, she's wonderful and also she's really cool on Twitter. If you follow her on Twitter, uh, especially if you're a more yes. liberal blue leaning, she is she's pretty badass. But yes. uh, she even was even um, she was in the indie drama Peridot in 2002 and has two projects coming up as of this recording. We love you, Rosie, and we still miss you. I love you, Carol. You're awesome. And 
Now we get to Paul Wilson as Razorhead Warren. This is the second of three appearances for Wilson on the show, but thankfully he will come back as a new character in 1983 in Season 8. He returns here as Warren after his appearance in Season 4 in Date with the Razorhead. In between, he'd gone on to work on Mork and Mindy for an episode and popped up in Brainwaves as Dr. Schroeder. He's got a ton of working actor, character actor, and bit parts ahead of him after this, including The Sting 2, a part on an episode of Moonlighting, three episodes of the Fast Times series, and even 976 Evil. Gasp. His most well-known parts of his career include Leonard Smith in It's Gary Shandling's Show and playing the role of Paul Krampens in Cheers. Now, folks like myself, and I'm assuming Lisa as well, will remember him as Bob Porter in Office Space. Yeah. He was also most recently in an episode of The Connors in 2018. Yes, he was. I remember that appearance because I watched The Connors. This is really cool. So that's our behind the camera in front of the camera notes. Uh, let's rank this thing and get the hell out of here. <laughs> yes, we shall. Um, God, uh, this is worth it to get to see um, Judy be really glamorous and lovely. Uh, and it's worth it to see uh, more Rosie. Rosie being basically in character. Rosie having nice clothing, but it's a three. Uh, it's a violation of the character's history. It's a violation of the California years, even. It treats everybody in the Milwaukee circle as a bunch of dumb bumpkins who don't know how to read a paper or watch a TV program or go to the movies and haven't kept in touch with their friends of California, even though we know they have kept in touch. Maybe there's some funny Carmine lines. There's a couple of funny lines in here. But people who say that this is the only California episode that keeps up the spirit of the Milwaukee years are incorrect. You're just not right. You just ain't right in my little opinion. Because there are many more episodes that keep up that spirit and keep up that funny feeling without totally violating the characters at root. That's just my little dumb opinion. Pretty much I agree with all points said. Uh, I'm going to give it a three as well. It is a boring episode it is a stereotypical episode the same concept has been done so much better in both the field of sitcoms as well as other genres of television ultimately this just makes me wish that the whole thing would turn into gross point blank and have benny the jet or show up as a gunman and kill a bunch of people um yeah it's a three okay well we're i'm yeah. we, we we're on a bit of a time crunch as we're recording today so i'm gonna just get us out of out of the way here so we have uh a bit of our post amble about what's coming up next, as well as other information on where to find us if you'd like to keep track of us on social media. I doubt anyone who liked this episode and wanted to seek out this review of this episode is going to find this very enlightening, entertaining, or very interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so we'll be back with a little bit of post amble and see about what's coming next. Um, I don't know. It's just, The seasons are changing. It's getting a little chilly, but we'll see where things are at. So quick word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. All right, everybody. So thank you so much for joining us for Night After Night. That was a bit of a rough one, but uh, hopefully we have uh, some higher peaks to get to next time. But if you would like to know more or talk with us about Laverne and Shirley, the show that's about eight seasons in a row, then you can find us at Night After Night PC on Twitter or Night After Night Pod on Facebook, WordPress, Tumblr, Patreon, YouTube, or wherever good podcasts may be found. So Lisa, yeah, you know, I feel like we really need to get out of the house and get a vacation. It's getting kind of chilly. You want to you want to go up somewhere? Sounds good to me. The girls hit the slopes with some snow shenanigans, but things get dangerous when they end up stuck on a ski lift. This is Ski Show. Oh, ski lift. So it's going to be that uh, that horror movie. What was it? Frozen? Where the people are stuck on the, yeah. on the chairlift? <laughs> I literally referenced that in my notes for the episode. <laughs> uh, same oh, brain. Dear.
checks in the mail. All right, cool. Well, join us next time, folks, and we'll be hopefully less crumbly about the next time. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, y'all. For heaven's sake, if you go to your high school reunion, be sure to tell the truth about yourself. Or at least if you're going to lie, lie grandly. Tell them that you have a podcast that over 100 people watch. They'll be impressed. Bye, y'all. Mm-hmm.